Chapter 1 Bedford, England, May, 1659 The babe's crying would rip her heart to shreds if she had to listen to it one more minute. Elizabeth Whitbread shoved open the parlor door and barged inside. "'We need a wet nurse, or the babe will die,' she said, meeting the startled gazes of the women surrounding the deathbed of Mary Coston. "'Exactly what do you think you are doing?' Mrs. Grew dropped the long winding sheet and started toward her. Get out this instant. You are not permitted in here. The babe's been crying all morning. He needs help. Elizabeth moved toward the low rocking cradle, shoved into a corner of the small room. I'll hold him and attempt to comfort him. Mrs. Grew stepped in front of her, intersecting her path. She held her shoulders straight and her chin high. No one is welcome in the parlor for the laying out. Only those of our congregation specified by Sister Coston herself before she died. I won't disturb your preparations, to be sure. Elizabeth nodded at Sister Norton and the others who had stopped washing the body to stare at her. She'd participated in laying out rituals before, on her own mother. But the work of preparing the dead body didn't interest her now. I only want to help with the babe. We do not need any assistance. The crying must be a distraction. I'll take him into the other room of the cottage. Sister Whitbread, Mrs. Grew said louder, we can do nothing more for the child. He will tire himself eventually. Elizabeth spotted a wooden flask on the floor next to the cradle. I'll try feeding him. Each of these women, including myself, has already attempted to suckle him from the bottle. What makes you think you can succeed where no other has? He won't take it, the poor dear, Sister Norton said. She clucked her tongue against the roof of her mouth. The poor, poor dear needs his mother's milk, and it's long gone. Elizabeth's gaze trailed to the face of Sister Coston, the pale skin draped over sharp bones. She followed the length of the arm hanging over the edge of the bed, the whiteness of the skin broken by the long, dark cut from the bloodletting. The parish bells of nearby St. Cuthbert had ceased their tolling only a short time ago, but Mary Coston's life had been counted as dead for more than a fortnight, ever since she'd birthed the babe and caught the fever. Few women survived childbed fever. Even fewer newborns lived without their mothers. Elizabeth faltered and tucked a stray wisp of hair back under her coif. Did she think she could calm the babe when none of these experienced Puritan matrons could? His cries tore at her heart again. The babe is in desperate need of a wet nurse. We are quite aware of that, Mrs. Grew replied. Do you hold us in such low esteem to think we would not have begun the search by now? Well, then why hasn't one been found? In all of Bedford there must be many nursing mothers. You do not know anything about these matters. Moreover, they are not your concern. You must leave the room immediately. Your presence is entirely inappropriate. She had overstepped the boundaries of propriety by entering, but she'd only thought to help. T'was not a punishable offense to offer one's aid, was it? Mrs. Grew regarded her with narrowed eyes and pinched lips, her body tight with displeasure. She supposed to a woman of Mrs. Grew's high social standing and wealth, rules took precedence. But this time, couldn't she make an exception and let her stay? I'm sorry, Mrs. Grew. It wasn't my intent to disrupt you. 
I don't have your great experience or your natural way with infants. But I thought perchance I could be of service in some small way. Your service would be better spent outside with the others, in fasting and prayer. Mrs. Grew's glare moved from her to the door. Elizabeth glanced at the cradle. How could she go back outside and pray with the infant's wails echoing through her head? She had failed to focus before. Over and over she had asked the Lord to provide someone to help the babe. Finally she decided the Lord would have her be that someone. Come, my dear. Sister Norton left the bedside and approached Elizabeth. Mrs. Grew is right. You ought not be in here. The tall widow tugged on the white falling bands at her neck and then scratched at the red ring left by the collar. Her look pleaded with Elizabeth to cooperate with Mrs. Grew, whose husband was not only the town alderman, but also an elder, one of the founding members of their congregation. They all knew Mrs. Grew was not the sort of woman one should offend. Very well. But I don't understand why you won't let me try. I can't make matters worse than they already are. Mrs. Grew drew herself up, I have always thought highly of your father. I had believed him to have respectful and obedient daughters. She turned to the body and picked up the winding sheet. Perhaps I have been mistaken in my view. Sister Norton touched Elizabeth's elbow. Elizabeth swallowed her response. She didn't want to bring dishonor to her father. I'll escort Sister Whitbread out. Sister Norton tugged Elizabeth toward the door. Elizabeth followed. The babe's cries clung to her, begging for her attention. My dear, said the older woman once she had closed the door and they stood in the cramped main room of the Coston Cottage, Mrs. Grew has done all she can to help that baby. She's sensitive about the situation. What harm could come from holding the babe? Even if he continues to cry, at least he'll know some measure of care. You would have done no harm except to wound Mrs. Grew's pride to chance your succeeding where she has failed.